Cash Color Campus podcast, a higher level of conversation. Um, again, as y'all know, I've been saying this multiple times today. We are not in Atlanta. We are not at the Live Hip Hop Daily Studio. No, today we're in New Orleans at MJ BizCon Next. And um, as you know, we've had a chance to speak to a lot of amazing influencers, a lot of amazing brand owners, and spoke about their, their, their history in cannabis and their conversation about um, expanding the conversation of cannabis. Today I have a journalist who I've, I've literally watched for a little while now, from rolling papers to just doing Google searches, like, who is this guy? You know, who is this guy? <laughs> but I have Ricardo Baca in front of me, and I, I'm, I'm honored to be able to speak to him about his life as a, in journalism, um, his situation now with the cannabis, and, and where we are with that, and what's next for him. So without further ado, Ricardo, how you doing today? Yo, Mecca, I'm good, <laughs> dude. I'm pretty wiped. What an amazing uh, day it's been, and what a mad dash this conference yes. has been. But I'm thrilled to be here with you in Cash Color Cannabis. Hey, well, thank you very much. I know you are. You should be um, um, wiped out. You even had a party last night, and I, 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 the party was amazing, for what I heard. Oh man, yeah. I know you didn't make it out. I did not make it out. I didn't oh. make it to the city until 6 a.m. this morning. Ooh. Yeah, and I gotta go back. At, I gotta go back tonight at 10 a. at 10 p.m. to get back to work. Oh man. Yeah, but that's how much I love this podcast. That's Love the show, yeah. Good for you, yeah. yeah. Well, welcome to New NOLA okay. for just a short time. Just a short time. Hopefully the next time we hang is in Atlanta. Yeah, man, definitely, definitely that. Um, so briefly, tell us about how you got into journalism. Like, what made you realize that a pen was what you was going to be using for the rest of your life? Yeah, gosh, what a weird, weird um, experience. I, I was in high school, I was walking by a classroom, and they were just laughing. And I was like leaving statistics and using the restroom, and then I was like, what the hell are they, what's going on? And I kind of poked my head in, and the uh, teacher recognized me and was like, hey, you should try out for newspaper next year. And I was off to the races. I started writing for my high school newspaper. I loved it. I applied for scholarships and ended up, thankfully, getting a full-ride scholarship to go to uh, uh, the state college down the road and work for one of the daily newspapers in Denver. And it really ignited a passion for, um, for journalism, for truth for democracy and and it's been such a thrill ever since it led to a, a career at daily newspapers for more than 20 years yeah and that's that's a, a accomplishment in itself being that we've watched media kind of turn from print media to online media so we've watched layoffs go on and we've watched a lot of magnificent publications dwindle down you know so it's amazing you, you lasted that long yeah honestly <laughs> madness dude i know it's it is a long time i mean journalism is is a difficult profession, especially in the modern era. Yeah. You know, we're talking about um, journalists, um, uh, the most legitimate journalists in the game and in this country are under attack, and yes. so are their institutions. And it's not just from the current federal administration, it really is readers who are, um, you know, uh, unsure about the, the worth of information, the worth of quality uh, journalism, people not wanting to pay for it. And, and now, you know, some of these institutions, like my old newspaper, the Denver Post, are, are actually under attack by their ownership. Very and much so. Yeah. It's coming from all sides, and there's never been a more important time to support journalism than 2018. So, you know, that's one thing I'd like to say, hell. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about your time at the Denver Post. Um, speak about, you know, you just working there and how you eventually got to the point where you were a, a cannabis writer. Wild story, man. Yeah, I started the post like 16, 17 years ago. Okay. Um, they brought me on as a secondary music writer. I had a dream gig. My editor told me so long, and he, as he'd never heard of the artist that I was writing about, I was doing my job. 
so we had the main pop music critic. He would write about Bon Jovi and all the big stuff, and it was my responsibility to write about local, independent, underground music, and it was a lot of hip-hop, a lot of electronic, a lot of rock and roll and punk. Um, and avant-garde, and later I graduated to the big, t- the big gig, the pop music critic. So then I was interviewing, uh, you know, Bon Jovi and, and and Nine Inch Nails and and whoever else, and that ultimately parlayed into a cool gig of entertainment editor. So um, for my last couple years in the features desk, I was the entertainment editor, running the papers, uh, entertainment coverage, and managing an amazing team of staff writers and critics. But then um, came the surprise of a lifetime, and that's what after Coloradans voted to legalize recreational cannabis in yes. 2012. Yes. And after that, um, the Post was looking down the barrel of a gun uh, a year after that election and saying, oh my gosh, this is about to happen. These sales are about to start happening in Colorado of all places. Yeah and we need to cover it and we need to cover it from a meaningful perspective and how should we do that and that's when they announced in late 2014 or late 2013 that I was going to be the paper's first ever cannabis editor and they charged me to create a vertical an online only vertical that would cover cannabis from all sides Um, they wanted real journalism on this they wanted a very modern take on it and they encouraged me to have fun with it too in addition to the breaking news and the investigative reporting and the reporting out of the state house and the city councils and the town councils and the suburbs you know we also had two three pot critics and we had a parenting columnist and we had a advice columnist and of course you know the recipes and the videos and everything else that you'd expect and I mean we launched in December of 2013 to cover those very first in the world um, recreational sales on January 1st 2014. Man that is an amazing story to 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 hear especially the fact that you know you just kind of you were kind of brought into the cannabis space. Um, Prior to that have you ever consumed or were you ever in the in the circle of cannabis? I was around it my entire life yeah especially as a music critic you might imagine. Yeah yeah I was I'm a music you know I'm listening to you tell your story I'm like it sounds so much like mine I started off in music and sports and then here I am in cannabis so serious oh dude there's a couple of us for sure it's a very common path but um, you know I wasn't ever a big consumer um, until about a year before this this opportunity came up you see my lungs that my lungs don't tolerate smoke of any kind so I've never tried smoking cigarettes I think it's kind of disgusting so but I've tried smoking weed before and it was just never successful um, because my lungs weren't accepting it, and so I never really understood the benefit or why people were choosing this substance up over others until I think it was about early 2013, so long before I knew that I was going to be, uh, you know, have the title marijuana editor on my resume for the rest of my life. Um, I, I, I was at a party, and they were passing around joints, and it kept passing me, and I kept passing it on, and finally my buddy was like, hey, I noticed you don't get high, what's up? And I was like, oh, you know, I just don't smoke. And he's like, do you want an edible? And I was like, oh, Mm, you know, I I don't trust those. I've gotten thrown a couple times and, you know, the unknown. And he's like, no, 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 these are from a a medical shop and they're regulated. And, you know, it's 10 milligrams per piece and you can cut it in half if you want less. And you can cut that in half if you want less. And I must have taken probably one or two milligrams of activated THC in this Mm -hmm. tiny little piece of a a chocolate bar in early 2013. And 
it wasn't five hours later, uh, and I'm coming down from this long edibles ride, and instantly I suddenly saw what my friends had been talking about <laughs> for decades, and instantly also knew that I now had a new preference, a, a substance of preference. Okay. I immediately knew that I wanted that experience more than I did that of alcohol. Okay. Well, yeah, definitely that understand that. And I'm not a drinker myself personally. Like I'm the if we're in a room and everybody's passing around beer, I'm the guy who just passed it like how you did. <laughs> so, yeah. Sure. I, yeah, I can totally understand that, man. All right, so we, we as, your, as your time at the, at the Denver Post eventually became the cannabis. Speak to us about how that, that, that came about because it was something I definitely admired, especially when I started building up Cash Color Cannabis, because I felt you had real stories. And I feel like a lot of outlets now, even when I'm in music, you don't see real stories anymore. There's a lot of copy and paste. There's a lot of um, taking off of social media. There wasn't no, I'm going to go report and I'm going to mm-hmm. go get a, get a quote. I love that about y'all, about, about the site. Yeah. Um, speak to us about that and, and just building up and developing um, the cannabis. So you're right. It was kind of new at the time. I think now in 2018, we're spoiled by normalization yeah. and how commonplace this has become. But when we think back to 2013, pre-adult use implementation, you know, the world was a very different place. And even mainstream news outlets talked about this industry in very different terms. Yes. So my goal, I, I was charged to create a freestanding site. We came up with the cannabis, and and I was as I was thinking about what I wanted this to look like and how I wanted our reporting to be characterized. If somebody came to the site one day and just thumbed through and said, "Oh, what are they going? What are they doing?" I was always going for this concept that you would come, and the cultural criticism that you would read would be on par with the wine reviews in Sunset or mm-hmm. Food and Wine. Um, you know, of course, it's a modern digital vertical, so yeah. we're not print. So, of course, all of the, the the great memes and viral videos would be there too, and and they don't have to be substantive. But we're going to post them because we wanted to be a, a part of the cultural conversation. Yeah, of course, and perhaps more importantly, because I am a journalist and I was working at a newspaper. Um, the news was going to be the anchor of everything we did and in covering this news it was important to me to never um, have never practice that blind activism that comes from so many publications like High Times and podcasts and we need that High Times 43 years old the biggest brand in cannabis without a doubt it's 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 important but I don't think blind activism pushes any industry or space forward I think we need to be critical we need to be thoughtful we need to be discerning Um, so I knew we didn't want to do the blind activism of oh everything is great but also I knew that we wanted to avoid the um, dangerous drug war prohibitionist misinformation yeah. that we've been peddled and taught since the 30s onto the 70s onto at the time 2013 and and you know what was dangerous if we look back then so many mainstream news outlets were still repeating marijuana is a gateway yes. drug and marijuana is a dangerous substance that belongs at schedule one on the controlled substances act yes. i wanted nothing to do with that so i kind of scratched everything clean because i remember one of my first meetings after taking that job was um, i wanted to meet with the most prominent advocates on each side of the legal legalization issue gotcha. and so i went out and met with the Project Sam people. I met with uh, Smart Colorado. I met with Mason Tavert. You know, so the prohibitionists versus the activists who are pushing legalization forward. And Mason, before I met him out for a coffee one day, 
Uh, his big quote at the time was, and still to this day, is marijuana is safer than alcohol. And he had successfully gotten those words in that order in hundreds of news outlets across the world. And I myself just didn't know that to be true or false in late 2013 because most of us didn't know, you know, and, and, and we weren't paying attention. And, and if we were paying attention to anything, it's, it's this, it's this uh, misinformation that we were pushed into throughout grade school. And so I was like, I'm a journalist. I'm going to figure out, is this true? Is marijuana safer than alcohol? Did the research less than five minutes. All credible, all government resources told me in no uncertain terms, yes, it's less deadly than alcohol, it's less addictive than alcohol. It is safer than alcohol. I mean, we, we ultimately we need massive, massive studies involving tens of thousands of people to ultimately know how, what the tr true risks yes. are of any substance. And every substance does have risks. But that day, I just kind of sat there at my desk in the newsroom really questioning everything I'd been told about cannabis. And I knew that I needed to hit the reset button if we wanted to cover this um, implementation of the world's first adult use system responsibly. I needed to scratch this, you know, wipe off, erase everything on my chalkboard in my yes. brain and rewrite um, what is known now. And this is the context we're going to talk about it in. And that's ultimately what set us apart from almost every other journalism outlet at the time because we were talking about it in these very modern fact and science-based um, uh, perspectives. Yeah. Um, over time, how did you feel like the brand, did you feel the brand was growing mm -hmm. within um, what you planned it out to be? And where is it right now? Where is where is the cannabis at right now? Yeah, so um, the, the brand undoubtedly grew. Um, it helped that... Um, we were kind of novel at yes. the time, you know, so I, uh, certainly me being interviewed for a profile in the New York Times didn't hurt, and uh, going on The View with Whoopi and Barbara Walters and Jenny McCarthy didn't hurt, and, and, and being live in the studio with George Stephanopoulos for his Sunday morning show on Super Bowl Sunday didn't hurt, and, 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 and going on The Colbert Report. Um, so they, we went from being a site that didn't exist and had no brand value to suddenly being out there and, and people knowing who we were and developing a legitimate readership and viewership. Uh, and that was everything. Um, when I started, it was just me at the Cannabis, and when I left, there were seven full-time people. And I left uh, in December of 2016. I resigned from the Post after 15 years, and I had just finished my third year at the Cannabis. And, um, we were looking to expand from our staff of seven people to 14, with all of those new hires being in California and Canada. And I realized, I learned from the editor of the newspaper the day before the election uh, that that expansion was no longer happening and we were going to stay seven people. And I've been in journalism long enough to know that if you're not growing, then yeah. at some point your your numbers are going to dwindle. And I knew that I was leaving the post that day, and it kind of broke my heart. So that was a year and a half ago. The Cannabis has continued with my staff, and they hired another editor. Uh, Alex Pascarello is a really talented editor and journalist and a great guy. Um, and, and they've been doing really solid journalism for the last year and a half, but... Two weeks ago, mm -hmm. as a part of this monolithic cut that's happening at the Denver Post right now, where um, the, the paper is owned by a hedge fund out of New York called Alden Global Capital. They are the second largest newspaper group in the country. They are making record profit margins, uh, you know, between 20 and 30 percent, and they are still laying off 
um, more than a third of the staff at the Denver Post, including Alex Pascarello, the editor of The Cannabis, and now The Cannabis doesn't have a, a human staffing it. There's no full-time staff, and it's, they kind of wrote code to auto-produce these stories, so if a story appears in the Post or on the AP wire, yeah. it gets pushed in, and, you know, this isn't what it was meant to be. No, and now so, it becomes um, like everything else. Yeah, this, I mean, just like you and I were talking about earlier, Mecca, about how journalism is under attack. Well, what was once a robust staff of seven, three ad side, four editorial, is now a staff of zero. And this important brand that people appreciated and flocked to because they knew it was presenting information they could trust is, is dwindling in front of our eyes. So... You ask where we are now. Yeah. I sent a letter of intent to the Denver Post last week, and I'm trying to buy the cannabis. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's crazy when I saw you walk through the, walking through the, um, the, the the hall here. I was like, oh, I want to ask him about that so bad because, again, it just feels like I'm you're mirroring my life. Because even with Cash Color Cannabis, I have a goal of building it up, and you know, I just don't want to. I don't want to see it fall into the wrong hands or fall into the wrong situation where we just become an autopilot on autopilot. Like I would mm -hmm. hate to see that. So you're trying to get it back into your hands. I am. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, and we'll see. You know, I'm, I I sent them a very compelling offer, a very fair offer last week, and uh, they acknowledged receipt and still waiting to hear back. I'm sure I'm not the only person. Yeah. You know, the cannabis engendered a lot of goodwill and built up a lot of really solid brand recognition yes, over yes. the years, and and now it's it's valuable. Um, look at what High Times is doing now. Um, they're doing some great events, but they're also stumbling with some of their events. If you were paying attention to what happened 420 in, in Southern California with their flagship events, you know, that's happened before. And granted, it's a complex, highly regulated space, and when you throw a consumption-friendly event like the Cup, you're always going to run into problems. But, you know, I, we threw some really high-level uh, events when I was at the Cannabis. Sophisticated events. Definitely sophisticated. Yeah. Trying to raise the bar on what this industry should expect and, and and what should be expected of the media covering this industry. So we'll see. I have high hopes. I very much hope the Denver Post chooses to sell the cannabis to me and my investors. And um, you know, hopefully, we'll have an update next time we see you. But uh, at the same time, it's a little bit complicated because this this hedge fund man is bad news. They're laying off journalists when the, there's no need to be laying off journalists you're making a profit margin of 26 percent and so i have talked a lot of smack about them and they deserve everything and yet this is also the same business i'm trying to, to buy, buy from. Yeah. so it's complicated yeah. and I, I don't think they like me and that's okay because i don't like them either they don't have to like you in order to give you the company i'll say yeah. that much man but uh, if you don't get the cannabis back in your hands then what what's next will you see you rebuild build out another site I'm never doing that again, <laughs> and, and I know they say never say never, but, um, you know, right now, uh, for the last year and a half, I've been working on my own communications firm. Okay. Uh, Grasslands is a journalism-minded agency. Uh, we handle public relations and marketing, content, social media, events, newsletters for um, businesses operating in highly regulated industries, including cannabis and hemp blockchain and crypto and so um, we are a staff of seven full-timers right now and we've been around for about 13 14 months so I'm thrilled uh, to say that we're growing and I'm even more psyched to be working with um, some of these killer killer businesses that we're working with now um, and, 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 and it's fun because I've been on the media side of this relationship my entire life 
Um, and now I'm on the publicity side yeah. of, and the marketing side, and I'm totally cool with it because I'm also still I still write a column for the Daily Beast, and I still write columns in every Cannabis Now magazine, MG magazine, and Cincy magazine. Um, and I love writing, and I love journalism, and I will always be a journalist. But um, now I'm I'm a marketer first, and I'm a business owner, and I'm proud to be working in the legal cannabis industry after covering it for four plus years. Man, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Last question for you. What do you feel, what do you feel like your legacy will be after it's all said and done? After you're done writing, after you're even done with your marketing company, what do you feel like we're going to look back and think about Ricardo? You know, I think we don't I don't I, I try to be humble. I try to be real. And and I'm pretty fucking real, yeah. you know, when it comes down to it. So I don't think about legacy very often. But I am. I have some things that I'm proud of, and if those things ended up being remembered, um, then I would, I would be thankful for it. And you know, I started a great music festival in Denver. It's called the UMS. Okay. It's almost 20 years old. 350 bands, uh, four days, buy one wristband, 30 venues. It's kind of like a mini South by Southwest. I was gonna say you created your own South by Southwest. I did. Ooh. I totally ripped off. These the are goals of my life, right? <laughs> right here. To I do know. everything you just said. We were man. meant to meet. Well, yes. Well, and then also, you know. The cannabis will always uh, be dear to me, and I really hope that there's a day where I can take leadership of it again yeah. and direct it to profitability and success and uh, hopefully make it a meaningful um, publication again. And, you know, inevitably, how crazy is it that, you know, the marijuana editor thing came along and then I get a call from a friend who is a doc documentary filmmaker yeah. and they make a film about me and my team and that debuts at South by Southwest yeah. and plays 20 other film festivals and sells the night of its um, opening night. It sold opening night in Austin to a distributor, played theaters in 30 markets and is still on Netflix. It's called Rolling Paper as yeah. you mentioned earlier yeah, and I mean you know movies last forever and granted who knows who's going to be watching Rolling Papers 30, 40 years from now it's going to be an ancient artifact because it'll it'll be legal the world over that and so, part and people are going to ask what's a newspaper <laughs> <laughs> like don't forget that part somebody's going to see that 20 years from now and say what was a newspaper it's true yeah. it's true I mean I think many millennials are already asking that question yeah. you look like a millennial oh no I'm not no okay <laughs> no I'm not born in 78 I was a oh. writer my whole life matter of fact 77. Ah, look at this, man. Yeah, so, again, this is almost like probably meant to be, man. Uh, definitely, 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 man. Well, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you very much for um, blessing us with your presence today, Ricardo. Hey, thank you, Mecca. No problem. And that's the Cash Color Canvas Podcast, a higher level of conversation.